Oh, I'm so excited to be here today. Uh, I get to preach today. Uh, Pastor Andre uh, is, is out of town. He's in uh, Topsoil Beach, North Carolina. Uh, he sent me a picture this morning, and let me tell you, the view he has is much better than the one we have out there. Uh, I will do my best, Andre, uh, this morning and let you guys know it is raining outside. Um, so that's my report. It's not nearly as in-depth as Andre's, but I just, I thought I could at least share it with you. <laughs> um, in, in two weeks, Andre will be back uh, and he will be starting his series that I'm really excited about, and that is God's Word uh, is like Doppler Radar. And it follows along with a book that he's written, uh, and, and everybody that comes is going to get a copy, and he has just blessed us so much uh, with being able to share this, and I'm really excited for this series. Uh, so be praying for him uh, for safe travels as he is uh, traveling around, uh, and be praying for him as he prepares for that series as well. Uh, let us open this morning in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, this morning, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds. Lord, as we look at your word and we look at the story of your servant Joseph, I pray that you uh, illuminate what you want us to see. Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, and Lord, I pray that we get everything that we can out of this message. Lord, wherever everybody is in this room right now, uh, whether you're going through a, a high time with uh, your relationship with the Lord or you're in a valley right now, Lord, I pray that we can all draw closer to you this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> For my youth up front, I should have said amen. Sorry. Uh, I love that you guys are sitting up front. That's awesome. Um, several centuries ago, a Japanese emperor commissioned an artist to paint a picture of a bird. Uh, a number of months passed, and then years passed, and still no picture ever came, was brought to the emperor. Finally, the emperor started to become upset and exasperated, so he went to the artist's home and he demanded an explanation. Instead of making an excuse, the artist got out his easel, got out all of his utensils that he needed to paint, and he painted in under an hour, this beautiful masterpiece of a bird. And the emperor, confused, was like, what? why am I just now seeing this? Like, why, hasn't this, why haven't you brought this to me? And then the artist brought him armloads of pictures that he had drawn, some of wings, some of the heads of birds, some of the tail feathers, some of the feet, all these different parts of the bird. And he said, I was preparing I was practicing so that when I did my artist's rendition for you, it would be perfect. He spent all this time practicing. Lots of time we see the finished product of something and we miss all of the preparation. This morning, I want to uh, share a story of God's preparation with you. The story of Joseph. Uh, and this is a, a story of hardship, uh, a story of, of pain and a little bit of suffering too. Joseph's story is not an easy one, but I think it's one that we can all relate to. Uh, if, if you have your Bibles with you, or if you're following along on the app, we're going to be in Genesis uh, chapter 37. We're going to be starting in verse 1, and that's where we pick up. Scripture says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. 
This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending to the flocks of his brothers, the sons of Billah and the sons of Zephla, his, wives, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him of his old age and he was made ornate. He made an ornate robe, sorry, ornate robe for them, a robe of many colors. Uh, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now I can relate with this because I am, in fact, my parents' favorite child. Right, guys? Right? Okay, yeah, she, she agrees. Videotape got that, right? Uh, she did agree. No, I'm just kidding. My parents love both of us equally. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Joseph was, was favored by his father. And I can't imagine what kind of pain that must have caused his other children, especially since they were older than him. Scripture continues, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now the first dream that he told his brothers, you could say, oh, he was just, he's young and he's ignorant. Uh, he's, he's telling this dream to his brothers. He doesn't understand that it's going to make them upset. But he can't get away with the second one. The second one, he had to have known that it was going to provoke his brothers. But he told them anyway. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers? <laughs> actually, um, will your mother and I, your brothers, actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept that matter in mind. It is hard it had to be hard for Joseph to be despised by his brothers, especially because he had so many of them. Family drama can be the worst kind of drama. And along with it can bring the worst kind of pain. I'm sure there's people in, this, in our auditorium, it's still auditorium, if you vote for something else, well, I'll eventually have to figure out how to call it something else. Um, but as we're sitting here in this auditorium, I'm sure there are people here that are experiencing family hurt right now, or they're going through family drama. Maybe it's with a sibling or a parent or a child. Family drama can be the worst kind of drama, and it can bring the worst kind of hurt. Joseph went down to Dothan to see how his brothers were doing. When they saw him coming, they conspired against him to kill him. Hastily, they hastily made plans. First, they were going to kill him. Then they were going to starve him. But eventually they landed on selling him. Selling him to the Midianite traders who were going to Egypt. 
I love God's timing. It's so perfect. His brothers are getting ready to figure out what they're going to do with Joseph. And just then, the Midianite traders come along. And, well, I've got an idea. Let's sell him to the Midianites instead. It seems like something so simple. You'd think that maybe God could just save him from his brothers, but no, he provided this this way of blessing him, uh, even though he might not have seen it at the time. So he was sold off to the Midianites. Joseph had, had behaved foolishly. His brothers were a violent bunch. Among other things, Jacob also should not have showed favoritism towards him. The character, the chapter displays a horrible dysfunctional family and ends in a terrible, disgraceful betrayal. But fortunately, it isn't the end of the story. Someone once said, when you are down to nothing, God is up to something. That was the case for Joseph. What his brothers meant for evil, God was working for good. God knew that Joseph's story was going to take a sharp turn. And though it and through it, God was preparing him for something much, much bigger. We continue on in chapter 39. Uh, it, it's interesting how the Bible does this. The, the Bible brings us to this point where Joseph sold off into slavery, and then instead of going immediately into uh, the rest of his story, they take an entire chapter off, and they, and they explore uh, Judah, and, and they follow along his story for a little bit. So you almost forget about Joseph. And I think the author does that on purpose so that we have some angst as readers when we're reading through the Bible because we we see Joseph being sold off and we don't know what happens to him. And it doesn't immediately go into what happens to him. But we pick up in Genesis 39 and it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge— of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessings of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except for the food that he ate. Wow, now that is some trust. To have a a right-hand person who you can entrust anything to. And the only thing that you have to decide is what am I going to eat tonight? Honestly, that's something that I wish somebody else would take care of for me as well, uh, because figuring out what's for dinner is sometimes a struggle. Uh, (laughs) but, But Potiphar trusted Joseph so much that he put everything in his hands. This person that was bought out of slavery, he put this much trust in. That's the kind of man that Joseph was. Now Joseph was a well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Uh-oh, the story's about to get a little rough for Joseph. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, 
My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. I pray that each and every one of us has the ability to run out of the house when sin is presented like this. This is the second time that a garment got Joseph in trouble. The first time was the the garment that his father gave him because his brothers became jealous. The second time, it's not because of how nice the garment was, but it's because that he was left behind. We pick up in 13, it says, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. It's interesting to note that in Genesis 39, uh, it does not say anything about Joseph's personal feelings for Potiphar's wife. It doesn't say if he was attracted to her, doesn't say if he found her beautiful or interesting, or how long they had a perfectly normal uh, friendly relationship, that of servant and, and mistress, uh, before she chose to attempt this seduction. So we don't know. It could have been years before this, uh, these feelings came over Potiphar's wife. Maybe it was, it was shortly after uh, Joseph took charge. But none of that was important. What was important was how Joseph responded to the, the issue of, of him being tempted. He ran away from it. The heart of the issue is this. Potiphar's wife promised happiness and sensual satisfaction, but Joseph saw sin for what it is, refusing to do this great, as he called it, this great wickedness. Joseph feared God, knowing that all sin is ultimately against him. In Scripture, it doesn't say, I won't, I don't, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to sin against Potiphar. He knew that sin was against God, and he makes that explicit. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have a good understanding. Psalm 111. Uh, we see a man that has grown up since being that, that dreamer with his brothers. We've, we see a man who's been able to take over Potiphar's house. Someone who's honorable and reliable. And even though he's been put in this awful situation, he chose to do what is right. Joseph's success and position were a direct result of God's blessing. When Joseph was wrongly accused and sent to prison, God remained faithful. It's interesting, Potiphar could have done any number of things to Joseph. It was his right. He could have had him killed. Uh, The fact that he doesn't, the fact that he puts him into prison uh, under the warden's care and ultimately under his own uh, care because he is the, the, the captain of the guard. It's, it's almost the saying, I, I read a couple commentaries that, that pointed to that this, 
This says that, that even Potiphar probably knew that Joseph was innocent. Otherwise, he probably would have had him killed. But Joseph's character was such of, that, of a man who even Potiphar knew that he was probably telling the truth. He probably didn't try to make his wife go to bed with him. It was probably his wife. But he couldn't publicly shame her that way. So he did the only thing that he could do, and he put him in prison. We pick up in Genesis verse 21. It says, The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. We see this again where Joseph is trusted so much that the warden just gives every, all the control to him so that he doesn't have to worry about the day-to-day operations. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offered their master, the king of Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. Does anybody else hear like some talking? <laughs> Sometimes when I'm up here and the youth can all, all uh, attest to this, I get very like distracted by like random noises. <laughs> they try to do it to me on purpose sometimes. Uh, sorry, we're back. Uh, so Potiphar never actually believed his wife's accusations. Uh, we can likely uh, assume that. I, I'm not crazy, right? Somebody's, hey, Char, that's okay, Char, I forgive you. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm going to give you a hard time about that later, Char. <laughs> no, Char, you're my favorite, so you're fine. No. <laughs> See, I can't pick favorites. See, now I just got everybody mad at me. See, that's an illustration of why you shouldn't pick favorites because everybody else is like, oh, you can't, you can't say Char's your favorite. I, I know I'm your favorite. And you are. Uh, <laughs> All right, back to it. Uh, after they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream on the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? It would have been really easy for Joseph to be dwelling on himself, to be dwelling on, woe is me that I'm in prison. I'm wrongfully in prison. I'm in prison with all of these people who have done something wrong. But what is he worried about? He's worried about his fellow prisoners because they came in and they looked dejected. They looked sad. In this, Joseph shows us a glimpse of Jesus. An innocent man came into our prison and lived our hardship and temptations, took on our sin, suffered in the worst kind of way. Yet he never looks for our pity. He asks us, why do you look so sad today? As Jesus is present in our lives, we will also care about the needs of others, even when our needs aren't apparent. 
So Joseph looks at his friends in prison and asks them, why are you so sad? And they answer, we both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Joseph was confident that God knew what the dreams were all about. He was like the, the little boy who told another, another boy, my father knows everything. Me and my father know everything. When the other boy asks hard questions, the, the boy just says, my father's going to handle that one. That's what Joseph's doing here. He knew that his father knew everything. And he knew that he'd been blessed up to this point by God. So he said, tell me your dreams. Let me interpret them. In the Bible, God spoke to unbelievers in dreams almost twice as many times as he spoke to his people in dreams. And we see that today uh, where in Muslim countries, there are, there are Muslims that have never heard the gospel that start having dreams about Jesus. And these dreams persist and they persist and they persist. And then we see people come to faith out of Islam because they're having these dreams of Jesus and they seek him out. It's always important to remember that not every dream is a revelation from God. Dreams can come just because our minds are busy. Scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes, a dream comes through much activity and also for in a multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity. The Bible warns that false prophets might use dreams to give weight to their message uh, in Deuteronomy 13 and Jeremiah 23. Still, we should be open to the ways that God might speak, the ways that he communicates today, even through dreams. Our message is the same. Don't look for messages from God anywhere else other than the Bible. It is God's verse, voice. It is God's written word. That is where we need to turn when we want to hear from the Lord. Yet, we recognize that from time to time, God will choose an unusual way to speak to us, yet never against the Bible or equal to the Bible. Everything that we, we get, like dream-wise, we need to check aside Scripture. We pick back up in verse 9. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. And he said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup into his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me, show me kindness, mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in prison. So he's making his plea to the cupbearer, don't forget about me. When you get released from all of this, tell Pharaoh about me. Tell my story. When the chief cupbearer saw that Joseph had given a favorable inter interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. 
This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Joseph's honest with him. He gave the cupbearer a positive interpretation of his dream because that's what it interpreted to. He had to do the same with the baker, even though it was not uh, a pleasant end. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a, gave a feast for all of his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the cupbearer to his position so that once again he put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in this interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. These two men, the cupbearer and the baker, they hold important positions. We might look at it today and say, well, the, the cupbearer, he just, he just pours the Pharaoh's wine and holds his cup. The baker just makes him food. But these are two positions that if, if that person wanted to harm the Pharaoh or the king, they would be able to. So they were important positions. And it was important that Joseph had inter- interpreted the dream correctly. Here, Joseph, though, was wronged again. The cupbearer, in his excitement, forgot about Joseph. Maybe he didn't forget about him. Maybe he just thought, well, I, I just got out of prison. It's not, I can't vouch for somebody else. I just got out. But Joseph is forgotten. Uh, David Guzlick writes, All men God uses greatly. He first prepares greatly. Few are willing to endure the greatness of God's preparation. God was in both the steps and stops of Joseph's life. God was with Joseph every step of the way, preparing his heart, preparing him for what was next, preparing him for when he did finally get out of prison, which wouldn't happen for two more long years. He was forgotten about. Until one day, the Pharaoh had a dream. And the cupbearer said, you know what? I remember this guy in prison. He interpreted my dream correctly. And at that time, Joseph rises to power. But it's not until that time. Joseph had to go through all of these steps, all of this preparation to be the man he needed to be when God needed him to be there. And God's timing is perfect. Even though it seems like, yeah, it would have been great if Joseph could have got out two years ago. You know what? Maybe if he'd have got out when the cupbearer let him out, two years later, that dream would have happened and they wouldn't have been able to find Joseph. God's timing is perfect. It would be another couple years before Joseph would be remembered. Sometimes the good we do goes unrewarded. Waiting is a common theme in the Christian life. Often when we pray for things, we have to wait and wait and wait on God's answer. It's not that God's not listening. It's that God's timing is perfect. God often appoints us to wait much longer than we would like. We can be impatient. We live in a society where it's, it's gratification now. We've got phones at our fingertip. We never have to be bored. We can always just pull something up. We live in a world that if we want something, we want it now. And we can't treat God that way, especially through prayer. Prayer is our greatest weapon against the enemy. When we pray, let's not be impatient. 
Let's give God time because his timing is perfect. Ours is not. Yesterday, my family and I went to a wedding uh, and it was exciting because, yeah, there's my family. (laughs) They're all in their matching shirts. Uh, It was exciting because this is the first time that we've been able to take the boys to a wedding. Uh, Every other wedding we've been to, we've gotten a babysitter uh, and they were younger and, you know, having little kids at a wedding sometimes can be a little rough because, you know, who knows what they're going to do during the ceremony. Uh, So we prepared them beforehand. Uh, We took them aside and I talked to each of them individually. uh, And I was like, this is, this is what I expect from you. It's good. There's going to be a a service and you're going to have to sit through it. uh, And you can't talk during it. And, and if you can sit through it, uh, then I bribe them afterwards because uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not perfect, but I, I wanted a good result. Uh, but I had to prepare my kids because if we would have just let them walk into that situation, uh, we were there early. We were there probably 45 minutes early and they got to run around the whole time. If I hadn't prepared them for that, that period of time where they had to be still, then they would have just ran around during the this, this ceremony. Uh, and been talking and all of that. But because we had prepared them, they were ready. So when the ceremony came, and this was the shortest ceremony I've ever been to at a wedding. It was, it was beautiful, but it was, it was short. It was to the point. It was like vows and, and pronouncement, uh, which was cool. It was my cousin's wedding, and uh, it, it was beautiful. And my kids were great uh, because they only had to sit for a short period of time. Uh, but they were prepared. We have a a God and Father in heaven who's preparing us, who's preparing us for something great. Church, we've, we've been through a rough couple years with COVID, with, with everything that's, that's gone on. Uh, but God is in control. God is on the throne and he is preparing us for something great. I believe that. We might not see what it is yet, but this is a period of time where he's going to grow us. He's going to stretch us. And just like Joseph at points, it's going to be painful. It's going to be painful. We're going to go through a season where maybe we do some stuff and it just doesn't work. We're going, to, we're going to toil and toil and toil. But you know what? If we stay faithful, if we stay faithful like Joseph was faithful, if we run away from sin like Joseph did, if we remain the kind of people that are faithful to God, that trust and rely on him like Joseph did in prison, like he trusted him to interpret the dreams, then God is going to prepare us for something amazing. And when the time comes, we'll be ready for it. Amen? Uh, I want to leave you with this this beautiful poem that I came across. Uh, And this is by Ruth Calkin. And it says, Today, Lord, I have an unshakable conviction, a positive, resolute assurance that what you have spoken is unalterably true. But today, Lord, my sick body feels stronger and the stomping pain quietly subsides. Tomorrow, if I must struggle again with aching exhaustion, with twisting pain, until I am breathless, until I'm utterly spent, until fear eclipses the last vestige of hope, then, Lord, then grant me the enabling grace to believe without feeling to know without seeing, to clasp your invisible hand and wait with invincible trust.
for the morning to come. Join me as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, prepare our hearts. Prepare us for what you have for us. And Lord, let us be faithful as Joseph was faithful. Let us spend every day in prayer with you. Lord, let us look to your scriptures for wisdom. Let us absorb it like a sponge. Lord, let us give us the strength to on our end draw close to you. Because we know that your promise is that you will draw close to us if we first draw near to you. Lord, I pray for New Promise Church. I don't know exactly what you have in store for us. But Lord, I pray that we, we as a group of faithful people come together as a family in our community and we can shine your light to everyone that's here. Lord, give us that strength. Lord, we thank you and we give you praise and honor and glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. Be encouraged that God knows your faithfulness and is doing his work through you. Now, let us check out what's coming up at New Promise Church. We have an exciting opportunity to host Jason Gray, Rhett Walker, and Leanna Crawford on their acoustic storytime tour. This will be held at New Promise Church September 30th at 7 p.m. Ticket information will be available soon. Next Sunday is Back to Church Sunday. Bring a dish to share and we will all enjoy lunch together after the service. Guests next week get a ticket into a drawing for two free general admission tickets to the Acoustic Storytime concert with Rhett Walker. So invite your friends and family. Starting September 12th through November 14th, there will be a Bible study on Ephesians on Mondays from 1 to 2.30 here at the church. Books cost $15. If you have any questions, ask Kathy Conrad. Hi, I'm Andre Bernier, and I'm the pastor of New Promise Church in Kirtland, Ohio. And I have invited you here into my home studio where I produce Weather Jazz uh, podcast and also radio weather forecast during the week for a specific reason. You're probably asking, what does that have to do with church? I'm glad you asked that because beginning on Sunday, September the 25th, I'm starting a new series at New Promise Church based on a book that I wrote nine years ago called God's Word is Like Doppler Radar. Now, if you're coming to New Promise Church as a visitor, I've got good news for you. You get a copy of this book just for coming. And certainly we're hopeful that you're going to be so interested in this that you'll come back for the entire series. Now, eventually everybody will get a copy of the book toward the end of the series, and that includes the people who call New Promise Church their home. But if you're watching me today and your curiosity has been piqued by this title, I hope you'll take my invitation and I hope to shake your hand on Sunday morning, September 25th, or any Sunday thereafter at 10 a.m., New Promise Church on Euclid Chardon Road. Franklin Graham will be coming to Youngstown, Ohio. If you are interested in carpooling, let us know at the sign-up table. The Kids Choir will meet every Wednesday from 6.15 to 6.50 before Awana at 7. 
We are looking for one to two individuals to be trained in the loft, on the computer or the camera. It's not that hard, I promise. We will train you, and then once you're trained, we'll schedule you approximately every three weeks. If you are able, please talk to Brittany or Dawn, or let us know at the sign-up table. Thank you. We will soon be having a congregational meeting, so if you want to be able to vote and you are not members yet, join us for a membership class September 25th after the service. We will be having a congregational meeting on October 2nd after the service. We will be voting to fill the space on the Elder Board. Members, please plan to attend. Our teens are going to be available to help out with small house projects or yard work on September 24th or November 5th. If you or someone that you know is in need of some help, there is a sign-up form at the table in the lobby. If you are wanting someone to pray with you, the prayer team is waiting for you in the back corners of the auditorium. Oh, thank you for those announcements. Uh, I can't tell you how excited I am for Pastor Andre's uh, new series. And I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when God is able to use something that you absolutely love uh, and, and use it to uh, further the gospel. And that's exactly what he's going to do. This is going to be a series that you're going to want to invite people to. Uh, so be start, start thinking right now, if you haven't already, who you can invite for when that series starts. Uh, so that they can come and they can see Andre's passion uh, using both what he's worked years and years uh, doing, which is, is, is studying Doppler, uh, and, and be able to, to look at it as uh, through his lens is going to be awesome, and I'm really excited. Uh, everybody have a wonderful and blessed day, and we'll see you out in the lobby. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, please.